Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world and Lee Boyd. Hey, Rob Beller and podcast world. Did I surprise I kind of surprised you a little bit there. Yeah, every yeah. every time. I, did, I didn't jibber jabber. I got right to you. You normally jibber jabber. There was no uh-huh. jibber jabber. I mean, there's, you can count on a little jibber jabber. You were kind of, you had your feet up. You weren't ready Mm-mm. for this intro that we're doing here. Yeah, you just threw me for a loop. Well, and it's kind of the topic today is uh, is is experience. Now, if we would have done, we've only done this podcast 80 sometimes. Right. But if we would have done it 500 times, I bet that you would, that we would both be much better at it. Don't you think? I would think so. If we had done it 500 times, that's a lot of repetition. So the big question is, how do you get your training faster, more effectively, so it sinks in deeper? so that you don't have to go through 500 reps to get good at this. And we apologize to everybody who has to listen to it. Right. But how do you do that? Any ideas? I mean, I think that's a great question. And I would think that our guest today has some answers. Who is our guest today, Rob? We have Stephen Fromkin on, who's a co-founder and chief content officer at Tailspin. Do you know about them? I do. So we learned about Tailspin not too long ago. And Tailspin is a platform that you can use in your organization for VR education in a nutshell. I think he'll tell us a lot more about it, but it allows the the learner to go on this educational voyage where they can in, immerse themselves in a new world to help repetitively learn trades so that they're ready to go out into the real world and actually do their job. It's very emotionally connected. Mm-hmm. It's real world connected that you can make a decision to go, you know, one way or another as you go through the training. And it's the closest thing that we have today to actually sending the person out into the field and letting them run. And right. for companies like ours, that spend a tremendous amount of time and energy and effort and money in getting people educated and trained as rapidly as we can, this this is a potential huge breakthrough. I think it's huge. I mean, it's, it's the next generation of learning, and it's really where the future is. I mean, you, we started with Google Glasses years and years ago. Right trying to come up with something. But now, I mean, Stephen and the group are really using this to get everybody educated in a real world. And and you can can use this education device across the nation or the world. They don't all have to come to a single location and stand in front of a, a lecture stand. I mean, you can really educate people from anywhere. Right. And think flight simulator for a moment. Flight simulators allow pilots to train and train and train and also, of course, to make terrible mistakes without any consequences. But that's the same thing here. It's it's real world feel without the consequences. 
we're excited. And so I think you'll enjoy our episode because not only do we talk all about Tailspin and Steven and what his product is, but we also get on his back pretty good about giving us something for free so that we can start using it here at our company, which we're yes, really excited about. So, cause I'm never, I'm never too embarrassed to ask. No, you're not. To ask the question. So, so why don't we do this? Without further ado, let's get to our real interview. This is not virtual reality. This is the real thing. Reality. Was, was, this is just reality. That's correct. Our reality interview with Stephen Frompkin, Chief Content Officer and Co-Founder at Tailspin. Hey, everybody. We're here with our guest today, coming to us live from Los Angeles, Mr. Steve Frompkin, Chief Content Officer and Co-Founder at Tailspin. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sure. It's a pleasure to have you, a transplanted Easterner, correct? As most people are in Los Angeles, well, maybe not most people, but a lot of people are in Los Angeles. Yeah. I, yeah, I am a transplant from uh, Connecticut, spent a lot of time in Massachusetts, but here, here I am in, in LA. Where are you in LA? So we're headquartered in Culver City. Mm -hmm. uh, not that anybody's spending too much time at the office these days, but no, yeah, no, I grew up in Downey, California. If oh, you know sure. where that is. I know where that is. Yeah. And so I'm an LA guy from way back, yeah. but uh, born and raised. I'm one of those guys. Okay. So you're here today from Tailspin. Yeah. They had a drawing for who was going to be on the podcast, and obviously you were the loser. So here you are today. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start by kind of helping everybody to understand, because today's episode is unlike any episode that we've had as far as the technology the particular technology that we're talking about, which is VR. And why don't you give us a minute or two on what Tailspin is and what you guys do? Tailspin uses spatial computing technology uh, or immersive computing. In other words, we use VR and AR as a tool for learning or as a tool for work in the field, whatever the field may be. So field in terms of insurance, in terms of claims, could be uh, being out at a claim when it's required or in uh, underwriting for uh, risk assessment loss or loss control, being out in a, a facility or in an area where the environment has to be viewed and captured. So we're using these tools because they do remarkable things. The, you know, we're still discovering how effective they are. Uh, last week, there was a report that came out. Uh, we did a study with PwC, and I mean, it's measuring some pretty amazing metrics. And so for learning, you know, we're looking at, you know, four times faster than classroom learning and mm -hmm. one and a half times faster than, than e-learning. And that matters remarkably in these days, even pre-COVID, when we were talking about what the future of work looks like, we're talking about a more dispersed, more remote workforce. You know, now amidst COVID and post COVID, we're talking that, that about that continuing. So we're really bringing some experiential technology tools to an industry that has a need for big workforce transformation. 
Right. And I saw that study by PwC, and it's fascinating that they say that VR learners in the study completed training up to four times faster. Before we dig into that, I want to ask you the question. I want to level set on what VR. Let's be clear on what VR is. Yeah. And maybe AR too, or as opposed to. Sure. So VR, virtual reality, is generally a hardware, right? So you're using a, a hardware in which your vision and audio and maybe some other senses, but particularly vision, are obfuscated from the rest of the world, right? And so you're, you're in an, a, an environment that is artificial as opposed to your real environment. And there's lots of different ways that can look and feel. Photoreal, it can feel like a video game, it can feel like a room that you're used to, a conference room that you're accustomed to. But the difference is that virtual reality, and here's where a little bit of the magic is, you can really affect sort of space and time, right? It doesn't matter where you are or how long it takes. So for example, we built a training module that is a first notice of loss training module. And so as a learner, you receive a phone call while you're in VR. It's not a real phone call. It's a virtual human audio simulation phone call. But what you're visualizing is just a, an architect's rendering of a room. And as you proceed through that phone call, as you answer questions, ask questions, mostly ask questions to scope that loss, in that moment, the visualization reveals in front of you. So we're providing the visual context that an individual sitting at a desk in a call center who is not going to be out in the field, but providing that visual context and, and building that muscle while practicing the soft skills of that conversation that is so important for the customer's experience. So when I say that VR is sort of violating space and time, in other words, we can kind of do a lot <laughs> that you can't do with traditional learning modalities. AR is augmented reality, right? So you're really adding a digital layer on top of the real world. And with both of these technologies, there's varying degrees of advanced add-ons. So, you know, you can use hand tracking or you can use, you know, a device to feel things and get haptic feedback. So but the real difference is whether or not you're cut off from the world around you. Can it be interactive? If you answer a certain way, it goes down a different path? It's absolutely that. It is a branched narrative conversation with virtual human technology, which is part of our tech stack, not just for insurance, but you know we're building a virtual human content library for more of a, an HR, more horizontal in terms of performance feedback, professional skills, leadership skills, compliance, those types of more, more general skills, as opposed to the vertical of insurance. But that same technology is being applied in our insurance learning modules. Why insurance? Of all the verticals out there, I would think that VR is accepted in certain verticals more so than others. And in a vertical like insurance, which they still fax things in the insurance industry, why insurance? How did that happen? How did that happen? That's a good way to put it. It was one of the, and there's been a lot of punchlines to that question, by the way. I'm um, sure. Right? I'm sure. Uh, mostly by folks in the insurance industry, not even by me. But they're like, what, did you guys lose a bet? But it was 
one of the first enterprise engagements. So when we began our work in enterprise, we started in 2015, we were feeling out the space. Both Kyle and I had been working and consulting in the, the VR space, and we kind of were intrigued by where it would go. And and we knew we wanted to build toward an enterprise solution. We didn't know exactly what that was going to be. And within about nine months, we began some conversations with Farmers Insurance. And I can talk about that out loud because they have, and they've done their own PR on it. And, and they're located in your neighborhood. And that's sort of coincidentally, some of the, we just ended up building some, some relationships with some folks. We met somebody in, in the innovation team there. And that led to, why don't you come in and tell us a little bit more? And by, you know, 2017, we had launched a pilot with claims training. It was a water damage scoping walkthrough. So you simulated basically walking through, there's no, you just got a work order. You know, this type of leak reported this many days ago. Was that for adjusters or for FNOL? It was for adjusters. Okay. But it could work for FNOL because you're still kind of understanding the process. You're still building the pro. I mean, with something like this, the interaction and experience is so engaging that put more people through it, put agents through it. So they understand, put everybody through Mm -hmm. it. They don't have to spend hours. They don't necessarily need to score very high, but you really begin to understand some of the processes that go on in your industry. We built in 18 different decision points into that very first water damage scoping investigation module, including are there indicators of fraud? Do you need alternative living expenses? Or does the policyholder need alternative living expenses? What's the water category? We went pretty deep into the business process. And because of that, the farmer's own internal testing showed a 22% increase in decision-making accuracy. And so- Between that and, you know, another first engagement was telco. So we still work with some, some business in telco, but insurance mm-hmm. ended up being the most, most requested video, so to speak. We ended up getting a lot of inquiries. I totally get it for the insurance space. It makes yeah. a lot of sense because, and in particular property, but it could be auto too. You have these, in property, you have these complex structures. Pretty much everyone is different, different materials, different, all kinds of different, I mean, it's frankly, it sounds from your side of it really hard, right? You have to make this immersive picture, right? That they're inside of the whole time and different decisions. And it sounds really complex. Yeah, it is. It, it can be. There are a lot of smart people at our company at Tailspin. There are really smart people that are not me, <laughs> that are engineers <laughs> and designers. Not represented no, by I'm, our current guests. Right, right. Okay. Right. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we have brilliant people who are sure. thinking about what are the common features of an inspection? How does an inspection for risk assessment in underwriting, how does that align or not align with the scoping of a specific damage state in that same environment. What are those features? So we do a lot of work with learning folks, learning. We're not a learning company per se, but we're we're working with specific pools of subject matter experts, and we have some learning expertise internally in how to build the learning templates for certain types of experiences like that, that are pertinent to insurance. And that's really what it's all about, is aligning to certain skill. It's that skills alignment, right? So how do we address the workforce disruption? Again, not just the COVID workforce disruption, but we've with certain generation 
retiring and a the need to rapidly scale up workforces, whether they be remote and therefore sitting at a desk or on a call on a call center, or they need to be in the field. How do we get folks who are used to being digital experiential natives? How do we get them to learn and engage? And how do we cross train? And that's kind of where this technology becomes really strong. I was wondering about on the insurance world. Well, first off, I'm looking at some of the verticals you have here, you know, runways and things like that. What about the the medical field? I, I see this as a huge opportunity to do VR training in, in the medical world. Is that anything you have thought about? So we've done a little bit of work with some other companies in the medical field. There is a huge amount to do. There's yes, a fantastic amount that can be done with therapies and medical device training. Yeah. We often get asked nurses, you know, nurses are the sure. ones that really, they're the ones who are doing the most amount of customer or patient facing work. Mm-hmm. They are doing a lot of the hardest work. And so we've been asked repeatedly about doing some certain types of training for nurses. It's just as a startup, there's only so much we can focus on. You have to make your decisions on that. It's uh, You can't be everything to everybody. One of the things about VR to me are the glasses. Okay, let's talk about that. I mean, we, you know, we know that Facebook bought Oculus. That was a huge deal. It's a big hardware thing. You guys aren't hardware providers, but kind of to use your thing, to use your program, to use your product, I guess, yep. you have to have this big bulbous thing that goes on the front of your face. Yep. That seems like it might be a little complicated to deal with. I know they're not inexpensive. They probably ship them around to different people. Like you're talking about in remote settings. Like if I wanted to train on it, would you have to send me a, or is there a shortcut to that? Talk about the glasses issue. Sure. So the hardware is not necessarily an easy thing to solve, but it's getting solved, right? It's the natural course of things. At the end of the day, the juice is worth the squeeze. You're going to, not just you, others, many organizations are going to engage in this inevitably. It's a better, more efficient, cost-effective way to train that does engage people better. It even engages in recruiting. We even have metrics on recruiting going up at certain organizations we've spoken to. So it's really worth it. Therefore, we just have to accept that over time, it's going to go down in price. It's going to be easier. The device is going to get smaller. And eventually, just like a cell phone call or a online call, we're all going to dial in on different devices and we're all going to be in a chat or in a conversation or collaborative training. We're all going to be on whatever we're on. You're, mm-hmm. You know, someone's going to use iOS, someone's going to use Android, someone's going to use a computer, someone's going to have an Oculus Quest whatever the next model is, someone will have an HTC Vive plus whatever the next model is and so on, right? And that's just, that's just how it's going to be. So in the meantime, how do we get there? Well, what we're doing is working with various organizations that are helping with deployment. So PwC has a, has a big effort towards business transformation, obviously, and they're helping with deployment for certain clients of theirs. We're helping with deployment and putting together leasing programs where, where we need to. But right now we hear, well, we have, uh, you know, 50,000 employees. How are you going to be able to handle that? My, my answer right now is more of a question. It's, 
are you ready to deploy to 50,000 employees? Because I know no one is. No one's really ready to do that today. And so right. where are they ready? They're ready for 500, a couple of thousand. That's doable. So we either ship devices to one location where they're going to train when maybe COVID goes away and people are going to regional centers or labs mm -hmm. to train, or they go to an individual's home. And that's kind of what we're doing now for pilot programs. It's just about knowing that it, it's cumbersome, but it's going to clear itself up. And this is, this is how to really get involved and get testing and show an organization, show your own organization that this content works is, is just by, by using the, the device and, and sort of gritting your teeth and bearing it where you need to. So if a new company comes to you and says, hey, we want to go down this road, we want to start implementing VR learning, what happens? I mean, if, if it is an insurance company, you know, everybody trains a little bit different, but let's say a large insurance company comes to you, what's the first thing that happens there? Yeah, that's a great question. So generally, we have several off-the-shelf training modules, and that's by design. So what we learned sure. early on was everybody says they want something custom, not just in insurance. Everybody wants something custom, yep. but a lot of it isn't as custom as anyone would think. They think it might be. Yeah. So look, when you go and play several different, there's lots of sports. You still need to throw and run and catch a ball, right? In insurance, there's some basic skills and, and needs and the customization per department or per organization that can happen within the curriculum at that organization. We're not replacing curriculum. We're not replacing facilitators or teachers. We're not com coming in with one whole program that does it all. That's not going to be for years. And in fact, we don't currently have one model of training in any curriculum anywhere, in schools and universities and in enterprise training. So VR or AR, they become an addition, an augmentation, no pun intended, to the existing curriculum. So what we would start with is, to your question, Lee, what we would start with is try these off-the-shelf modules. Yeah. There's a couple for property. There's some for auto. That's where you really get your, if it's claims, that is, right? Because these are sure. all three of these are claims. Try these, pilot these, put them through a class, whether it's 16 or 20, or ideally it's high enough to get a you know some good statistical value out of that pilot and see how it feels see how it feels for your organization get feedback from your learners and and from others and from there let's figure out what's next and that's really the way to dip your toe in the water because that's going to be much less expensive than spinning up a version that is custom and has your individual company logos on it so farmers, to use that example as a, as a company that's um, fully bought in, it sounds like, four times faster, you know, better retention, et cetera. I mean, is that what they're excited about? Is that the content is getting through quicker, better, stronger? Why is farmers so bought in or your better customers? Yeah, I think not just farmers, but others have understand it really has trained more effectively. Let me give you another statistic based on that PwC study that showed there was, I think, about 275% two, 
higher confidence to basically act on what an individual learned, right? So imagine coming out not with just better retention, but coming out with a better level of confidence, ability to elaborate. We did a study in which side-by-side A-B testing with VR and desktop, folks who went through VR were 400% more able to elaborate on things they had not even learned. Hmm. Not even learned. It wasn't even in the training, but because of what they went through, they were able to extrapolate and discuss and answer questions Hmm. they were being asked. Where folks who had a more traditional sort of desktop version just said that wasn't taught, right? So the excitement from farmers, from others, is that we're now getting into a place where really, really great emerging technology is coming into that learning and development space. Because, you know, when's the last time that happened, right? Learning and development always kind of gets a bit of the shaft in terms of budgets, right? They're always, right? right? And so e-learning, I mean, e-learning is fine, but interactives, the old interactives, I mean, now we're, we're talking about virtual human technology and some really fun, engaging stuff. So I, I think the aside from the efficacy, there's some really uh, um, amazing engagement that's coming out of it. So we do a lot of training at 470. I mean, it's a fairly reasonable spend for us. And we do it not as a public service, but because we want our adjusters to be highly proficient at what they do. In a program like that, could we buy like a group of glasses or goggles, excuse me, and send them out and and let them run through it. And then they send them back so that they get reused, you know, cleaned up and reused, of course. I mean, can an org like ours benefit from yours? We have small organizations, medium, and obviously some of the, you know, some of the larger ones. It's not just about, well, we need this to scale and we, because we have so many people. At any level of business, investing in your people is pretty ubiquitously known as one of the smartest things you can do. Invest in your people, invest in their knowledge, and from there, that translates to better financial bottom line, and, and it translates to a better customer experience, right? And so it doesn't matter if there's five people or you know 500. So I'm very interested in what separates you from your competition. I'm on your website, and it looks as though uh, you have a very interesting learning platform, but it's the graphics that have really stood out to me. And I was looking at your past history. You have... Uh, extensive history in film. Talk a little about that. Is there anything you've learned in your past life that you're using here? Or, you know, what is your mission? Yeah, you're a Hollywood guy. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, both Kyle and I come out of pretty extensive experience in entertainment and advertising, content for film, television, various types of visual effects. And, And I would say what we learned is not just how to make things look amazing because you can do that, but that costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's also not necessarily the most optimal way to deploy VR. It's really about where and when to balance the quality of not just the visuals, but the performance and the voice. And what, what is the overall experience? Because when you're building content, right, when you're building visual content and you're really generally thinking about how it begins and to how it ends, right? You're going through a a process of 
how does an, how does a, a, a human, how does the reader or the viewer or the, 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 the learner, how do they engage? What, what context are they bringing? What do they know? And what do we want them to get out of this? So in learning, you obviously have learning objectives. There's learning goals. We start with those. How do we achieve those goals? And do we leverage the most high-end visual fidelity? No, not necessarily. But sometimes you want to make things glisten and shine a little bit more. But really what it's about is trying to really find the features yeah. within the experience that really set it apart from other learning modalities. In other words, don't just repeat what you're doing in a PowerPoint in VR. How do we build an experience that is memorable and, and gets us to a creative way of thinking as opposed to just something we remember? Because we want to yeah. get we want to get that brain thinking and and walking away with a, a a level of creative and critical thinking. Is that something you're working on a lot? Is the human brain and the way that it learns and the best way to absorb the information? Is that something you're focused on? Where to begin on that question? That's a great one. Yes, we're focused on skills transfer. At the end of the day, the larger picture, the larger vision is. What are people going to be doing in 10 years and 15 years and 30 years? What are the jobs of the future? Not just 2022 and 2025, but what are the skills that are required going forward? So we've begun a, a skills mapping, and that's really what our, our back end will do. We're building toward an ecosystem more than just individual content. So right now we're building individual content. Eventually actually not too far off, we'll have tools so that our other organizations can build content themselves. Beyond that, the ecosystem, uh, the whole of the platform, endeavors to really understand the user's innate skills and what skills they can learn and automatically tune to who that user is. So Lee, you go in and, and you know, you index at a certain, certain place in sort of the overall skills ontology. And Rob, you, you do so as well, but obviously somewhere else because we're all unique. The -hmm. system would then train you toward what your needs are most according to your organization. It's pretty heady. So yes, we're working on ensuring that why we train is as important as how we train. So let's talk about actually uh, using these things. Is there or or are there field applications for this technology within your organization that you guys see for insurance? For example, if somebody's on site. In insurance, we know, and I'll, I'll use the same one I used prior. There are certain times where, you know, you, you do have to go into the field whether it's, you know, catastrophic loss or you're going to go and do a, an assessment of a site that may need to be underwritten. The ability to use one of these devices to capture is available. I think the, the other thing to, to remember about a field tool is its ability to communicate. That's really important. So let's say I'm in the field at a catastrophic loss and I'm capturing all sorts of data. And I see something that I'm just not sure. Well, I could call you out there for you to come see, or I could take a picture 
and send it to you, right? All the things that we do now. Right. Or I could essentially loop you in to what I'm seeing. So now you're there with me or I capture the environment and you can see. So the idea of phoning a friend, right? It becomes much more tangible, right? You're phoning a supervisor, you're phoning the expert. And that's important as we start to bring younger folks into roles and responsibilities where they don't have a decade of experience. It would be great to be able to have the veterans connect with those newer, younger, less experienced employees. I want to ask a couple of questions as we come to the end of this about your company and yeah. and whatnot. I know that you're approximately five years old. That's pretty old in, in the world you're in. You're you're yeah. early, if you will. I see that you just recently did your Series B, yep. which you did during the period of COVID, which must have been nerve wracking. It was just before, thankfully. Yeah, I, I mean the. You need a little bit of luck in life and in business and timing was that, you know, we started looking and, and raising at the end of last year. And, and so we were, we were pretty lucky. Cornerstone on demand uh, led that round and uh, you know, they're a massive and great learning management company and an aggregator of fantastic learning content. They saw where a lot of the future of learning is, is headed as we, we begin to deploy more emerging technologies across, across learning and development. Mm-hmm. Just talk for a second about your life as a startup. I mean, you guys are in a, like we said, to turn out your product isn't just some coding. It's very no. complicated. And one of the things that we commonly talk about on our show is that when you get into insurance, as we've all gone through, most of us d- don't know what it is or how it works or where it starts or what a house is. And, you know, I mean, everybody knows what a house is, but you don't know how it's put together. So there's so much to learn. You guys had to learn about insurance, let alone trying to put a product together to support it. What's that journey been like? So the, oh, what's the journey been like? You know, I think that insurance became, I think it, we're lucky that we did get into insurance, right? Like we joke and and others joke about how deep we are in this space. And while it is a, an industry in which there is a lot of risk assessment, a lot of procurement, a, a lot of uh, slow moving parts, but the industry really does need a, some emerging technology in its training space. Not because the training's poor, but because the, the world is changing around it. One of the things that we struggle with, uh, going back to our, our particular company, for somebody to be a good adjuster yeah, takes years. Is that fair to say, Lee? Yeah, I would agree. Just as an average, how long does it take for somebody to become a good adjuster, a field field property adjuster? Yeah, we would look for one one to, to two years. Right. I mean, we have a customer whose requirement in our contract with them is that we can't use an adjuster with less than three years of experience. And they do that for obviously because they want somebody who's more experienced, more knowledgeable, less prone to make errors. Yep. And learning how to be a good adjuster takes a long time. You're not there in two months. You're not there in six or a year. So what you guys are trying to do, I mean, I'm right in saying you're about shortcutting or not shortcutting isn't the right way to say it. But Educating in a quicker manner. Imagine how many claims you could go through and how quick you could go through them if you had the VR set up. 
you could do claim after claim after claim where sometimes you wait months and months for a storm to come through. You would be able to get that much more training that much quicker. Yeah, it's it's batting practice. I mean, not only where you you know you want to get a lot of batting practice, right? That's kind of what this allows. It allows a shorter trip to efficiency, a quicker road to becoming more uh, not just efficient but comfortable. You know that we've we've often heard that at you know six to nine months, depending on the organization, employees will get a little bit comfortable, and that's where they start to make their mistakes. Because they've gotten comfortable and almost too comfortable. And right. that's where an, an additional dose of training is needed. Our goals here are really to transfer the skills and knowledge and, and comfortability of, of decision making at a quicker pace that truly does affect us cognitively in a different way. When we train this way, we're having a different cognitive experience. Right. And because of that, it's imprinting on us in our brains completely differently. And so we're, you know, ideally transferring knowledge in a more efficient manner. It's a different experiential level that you're providing, right? It's an experience, not just, you know, the, the input of information as we've traditionally received it. Well, we have really enjoyed having you with us today and learning about this really exciting thing. And I have a, a couple things I need to say before we end. Number one is shout out to Stephen Gregory. Thank you, Stephen Gregory, who, us. who who connected us together because he's nope. the he's the uh, innovative person who first fell in love with your product. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Katie Hera, who this is actually she's a FNO veteran now. This is her second podcast. She's actually been on with us. Hey, Katie. And third, you need to send a pair of these goggles to Mr. Lee Boyd who among many other important tasks he performs at our company, he's in charge of innovation. No I think that we could use these in our org, yeah, right? Absolutely. And I think that's a fair trade. Done. We get to burden you with being on this podcast, and in return, we get to check out your I'll product. burden you with goggles. That being said, thank you so much for being with us, and we'll look forward to having you again. Please stay safe. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Hey, Lee. Yeah, Rob. I'm in, so fascinated and intrigued by this. Yeah. I'm thinking about it for our company, for 470. We do independent insurance adjusting in the field. And we struggle with the full capability of people, of insurance adjusters, all the time, every day. We right. have a big training department and initiative that we spend a lot of money on. Could this help us? What do you think? It absolutely could. It engages the the person learning. And it, as he said, I mean, once you see it, it's more like you're seeing it and you're you're there. It's the experience. You won't forget it. Uh, I think he was saying it's four times more likely to remember than classroom learning. And if you think about the last time you sat in an auditorium, listened to a lecturer, I don't really remember what I heard. But the last time I went to a hands-on demo, I can tell you it was at Exactware, and I was learning about a brand new software that they had, and I, I was learning. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, I think it's great. And, you know, we originally, I think it was two Christmases ago, we got a VR headset, and it was for entertainment. We could ride a roller coaster using our phone and the VR headset, and it was right. awesome. But to use it for learning, especially with what's going on in the world right now, with school-aged children who can't be there, college students 
who need right. to learn about different cultures or different experiences. VR education is really the future, is I feel. I would think that the big problem is content. Yeah. You know, is how how broadly content is available. But be that as it may, within our space, there's content, and that's so encouraging. It's basically the closest thing to hands-on learning that we have. Yes, I think it's really neat. I look forward to the day when he comes out and says we have customer service training, and you can interact with a insured or a policyholder and be able to actually work on customer service because uh, that's something that we can't really train over and over in a real world scenario, but that would allow us to, I think that would be neat. Yeah. And like I said, I think that this is, this is a big pain point for us, a big problem. They're helping, I'll say, to solve a big problem that not only our organization, the insurance vertical has, but any claim organization has. Yeah. All the way up to State Farm, any, any from State Farm on down. This is a big problem. Right. It's not just insurance. It's any service-oriented company, right? Whenever you're mm-hmm. going out to learn about different parts of a home or a auto or whatever, yeah, it's a need, and I think that they're filling that void. Yeah. How do you expedite the learning curve? Well. <laughs> big challenge. Big challenge. And that's one of the exciting things about what we do at FNO InsureTech is we talk to people who are out there trying to solve big challenges. Mm-hmm. Or challenges large and small, mostly large. And mostly that's large. cool. It's really, it's cool to be around people like that, right? Because what are it. we trying to solve? What's for lunch? That's what we're trying to solve. That's true. Anyways, we love that you were with us today. We thank Stephen uh, Gregory, Stephen Fromkin for being with us today. Katie Hara for making it happen. We thank our production team, Al Moya and Alicia Moss. And I thank my co-host, the one and only Lee Boyd, who's such a pleasure to work with. I hope you all have somebody to work with like Lee Boyd. And we'll ask Lee, is there anything you want to say before we go? Well, I'd also like to say I like you, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't what I was looking for, but I'll take it. I'll take it. And also with that, I'll say goodbye, everybody. (laughs) 